It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. It's great to have you back. You're feeling better. I am feeling better. A very brief session on Monday night and legislators got out of town. Big conference out in Utah this week. So the General Assembly is essentially shut down. Whole lot of nothing on Monday night. That's right. The Senate didn't have any sessions this week, and the House had that one Monday night session after the speaker said on Thursday they were going to have Monday and Tuesday voting sessions. Will went to town on Monday night, and a third of the House decided not to show up anyway. So basically forced the speaker to decide that they weren't going to have voting sessions for the rest of the week talking to staff on Monday night. They were surprised that more members didn't show up. It was even told to me that they didn't even know if they'd have enough members, but they certainly did. And and it was a two bills. We all thought they were going to add some bills to the calendar, really work through Monday, but they just got out of town. A real testament to the laissez-faire way of doing business in the House versus the Senate when they always show up and in the House people are like, oh, we're only going to vote Monday and Tuesday. I don't need to go. Right. That's right. So the meeting that legislators are at, it's called the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC for short. And they're meeting in Salt Lake City this week. It is a conservative, more small government think tank, if you will. We have members that are very prominent within ALEC. Uh, Representative Jason Sane, who's been on the podcast, uh, is the former chair of ALEC. This week, he introduced Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. He was a speaker there. What they do is they produce a lot of model legislation, and that legislation gets fanned out to the states. It's really no different than any other national organization on the left, the right. In fact, bills we've worked on where we have a client that has a national presence, we will ask them, send us what you're doing in Mississippi. Send us what you're doing in Kentucky. It was announced this week that they are rolling out model legislation. Many of the bills have been introduced already in the General Assembly. Yeah, you'll recall that Senator Todd Johnson, when he was on the podcast, he talked about his regulatory sandbox bill, and that's a bill that Alec is touching on in other states. You're seeing quite a few of those, and Representative Sane, who, again, was a past president of Alec, he is the House sponsor of that bill. You know, a lot of people think of ALEC as a Republican organization. It certainly is led by Republicans, but we have met Democrats at ALEC. Uh, It really is more, their ideology is geared more towards just small government kind of regulations, which again, probably attract, it does attract more Republicans than Democrats, but it, it is a, uh, it is open to all legislators, all 170 legislators, they're allowed to go. One of the things that I think people don't really understand that part of being a legislator is looking at what other states do. And so ALEC is, like you said, one of many organizations that have legislative conferences 
there is the Republican, like the Southeastern Republican Mm -hmm. Legislative Conference. There's a Democratic Conference. There's also the National Conference of State Legislatures, and they actually have a big conference where our chief of police at the General Assembly often speaks on security, and they do a lot of research into what each state is doing. They provide legislators with a ton of backup information, and Alec, I think, does the same. If you're looking on a certain topic, they have, if you're a member of Alec, you can get on their website and look and see what other states are doing and kind of craft your language. And so there are, there is a myriad of ALEC type of conferences and depending on your leanings and or what topic you are interested in, you can find a conference that sort of fits your niche. The politics of COVID seems to be ongoing, but it heated up a lot this week with the CDC making some recommendations that vaccinated individuals need to start looking at wearing masks while indoors. We saw a lot of back and forth between legislators. The governor is to have a press conference today to talk about how he's going to handle these new recommendations. This is getting hot. We thought that we were past the fighting about masks. We're not. It's back and better than ever. I have seen that I think today President Biden's going to announce that any federal workers are going to have to be vaccinated. And so folks are looking to see if Governor Cooper is going to announce the same for state workers in his agencies or if he is going to change the mask guidelines. I think as of right now, he's not going to change our statewide mask guidelines. It's kind of a patchwork because it is counties that are in the substantial or high risk of transmission that you are supposed to wear masks indoors if you're vaccinated and that guidance changes daily so it's kind of you look at a map of the state and decide whether or not you're in one of those areas and Wake County is in one of those areas right now but it is not a statewide mandate it is county by county how the governor and or the CDC is making that decision. By the way, we're recording this podcast on Thursday morning. There is also a lot of controversy out there. We have some hospitals and healthcare providers who are requiring that their workers get vaccinated. That has gotten the attention of some legislators. Duke University announced this week that they're requiring masking. Uh, There were some questions this week about whether the UNC system was going to require their students to get vaccinated. They said they didn't have the legal authority. I'm sure they have one eye on the General Assembly as they say that. Definitely. I don't think that the UNC system wants to be in the news any more than they have been. So we talked about this last week. The North Carolina High School Athletic Association on the hot seat in the Senate. We had a Senate committee The proposal out there is that it's essentially taking the athletic association out of the governance role. This week, there was a high-profile closed door, not open to the public meeting between the leaders of the North Carolina High School Athletic Association 
and legislators. And boy, did they show out. There was a reporter who was outside the room recording them going into the room. And I showed the video to you. I was like, dang, how many people do they have? Like, it was just a parade of people walking into that room. And there were some legislators present. Senator Vicki Sawyer, Senator Todd Johnson, Senator Tom McInnes, and Representative John Bell were the people that were named by this reporter who were in the room. This week, Dallas Woodhouse over at the Carolina Journal wrote an article that really was trying to come up with maybe a, a solution or a compromise between the Athletic Association and legislative leaders who are very frustrated by this $40 million that's been accumulated over the years. It was an interesting take by Dallas, definitely not known for being a peacemaker. Uh, it, was, it was a very good article. Are we hearing anything at all about how this meeting went? And was there a compromise that's on the table? Do you know? I think that is something that we will be looking for in the coming days. So speaking of peacemakers, I had the pleasure this week, Sky, of sitting down with Representative Jamie Bowles, a Republican from Moore County. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Jamie Bowles, you have been in the General Assembly since 2008. Correct. Eight. Can you tell us a little bit about your district and what makes it special? Well, what makes Moore County special is uh, is the people, of course. Yeah. All legislators say that. Yeah. But uh, we're the golf capital of the world, and we have Pinehurst, we have Southern Pines. I grew up in Aberdeen, okay. uh, so we have a very diversity of people from the Robins, Carthage. Uh, we have, you know, people talking about tier. We have tier one, two, and three in Moore mm-hmm. County. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it uh, interesting. We have a lot of uh, retired military, CEOs, uh, corporations, and uh it just brings in a, uh, a unique uh, gathering of people. So if you and I were playing Pinehurst number two today on this hot Tuesday afternoon. In July. In July. What would you score? Probably 140. <laughs> You'd still beat me. On the front nine. <laughs> front nine. Okay. <laughs> if you play golf with me, I, I'm not very serious about it. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I do take the area for granted, yeah. uh, but it is a beautiful area. But I do enjoy playing with friends that come in from out of town uh, probably four or five times a year. So when people do play golf with you, or do they expect you to just, you know, wipe the course with them? Oh, yeah, they think I know how to play golf. <laughs> so, <laughs> But I remind everybody when I was uh, 13 and 14 years old, I used to work on the golf course. Okay. Uh, and so I have a different perspective at 4 o'clock in the morning going out raking sand traps. I'm with you. So, I'm with you. I pulled chrysanthemums out of the field as a kid. I don't, I don't want plant a chrysanthemum if you right. gave it to me. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I don't want to look at it. I understand. Tell us what made you want to run for the house back in 2008. 
Well, Moore County is, uh, as you know, is a solid Republican county. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and my family's always been in the Republican Party. My mother ran for the uh, clerk of uh, Register of Deeds mm-hmm. back in the 70s. And, of course, that's when all the Republicans in Moore County could gather at the phone booth. There you go. Right. All three of them. That's exactly right. So it wasn't until the 90s when we had uh, the growth of a mix of people moving in that it changed to a Republican county. So when uh, there was a heated race, as you remember, with Mr. Uh, Speaker Richard Morgan and an outsider that came in. And the outsider won because of the turmoil that was going on in Raleigh. And when he got up here, uh, his behavior just wasn't what I thought that we needed in Moore County. Yeah. And plus, he didn't know the people in Moore County. I've, I've been there all my life, and I, I knew, I know the people, the history. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little bit uh, ahead of schedule as far as my political aspirations meaning you weren't you weren't thinking about running until until this no i thought about well in my life give me 10 more years you know i should Mm -hmm. be semi-retired or whatever but when this event happened with the uh, previous legislator i i I said no it doesn't represent moore county and the people that work so hard to be here Mm -hmm. so that's when i ran and i was not probably the primary or the, the quote golden child mm-hmm. at that time but uh, I ran and it, it the rest is history so 2009 2010 you're a freshman and you see the switch over from democratic control to republican control can you talk a little bit about that and and what that meant for you as a legislator well what that meant to me was Prior to uh, the Republican changing leadership in 2010, I was told by our, um, and, and I just have to say now, Speaker Hackney was very fair mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. <clears throat> of course, he covered part of Moore County. Well, that's right. At the time. That's right. So uh, he, was, he and I did, did well. He was very fair to me in, in committee assignments. But when I would go to the committees, I was told I really didn't need to be there, <laughs> that I could go go to lunch if I wanted to, right. and, and I'd meet you at the se- at the session at two o'clock, and uh, but we appreciate you coming by. Right. And so, but I did learn a lot. I was appointed to JPS because that was my interest, yeah. and so uh, we did work well together as far as our JPS committee. And then in 2010, I, uh, we won, and I, I never forget, uh, uh, Speaker Tillis yeah. called and said, hey, do you want to be the chairman of the House ABC committee? Yeah. And the JPS, and I thought to myself, Lord, I got to go to work. <laughs> I'm going to have to work. <laughs> go from not having to go yeah. to committees to running committees. Right. So I, 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 I'll never forget, I was going down US 1 in Aberdeen, and, and Tillis called, and he said, do you want to be chair of ABC? And I said, well, can I get back with you? <laughs> then I thought to myself, you know, they don't call twice. That's right. 
they don't call twice. Right. And I said, yes, sir. Okay. Whatever you need me to do, I will do it. Yeah. And so the rest of it was history. I chaired ABC for about eight years. And then I've been chair of uh, JPS and been on the committee since 08, but I've chaired ever since. So your interest <clears throat> in justice and public safety specifically comes really from your background with public safety in Moore County. My mother and father, uh, we owned a Western Auto store in downtown Aberdeen. So I knew what everybody got for Christmas because I put it together. Okay. Bikes, tricycles, wagons. <laughs> but when I became, uh, uh, I've always was interested in the fire department. Okay. Well, at that time, you couldn't be on the fire department until you were 18. But there was a local rescue squad in town, and they had junior members at 15. So I said, so I went and joined the junior rescue squad and the rest was history. So I've been an EMT since I've been 18. Uh, and now uh, I belong to the Whispering Pines Fire and Rescue with my son. Mm -hmm. And I'm a driver operator as far as a fire truck. And you just got certified <clears throat> with this, right? You were telling me. Right, recently. it was a two-year. It took me about a two-year uh, process to get the DO, the driver's operators. But I've had my EMT since I was 18 when I was a senior in high school. Wow. Wow. Yep. So if you visit Representative Bowles at his funeral home uh, in Southern Pines. Correct. He has a collection of old fire trucks that are really impressive. Um, he'll give you a tour. You take can you for a ride. Take you for a ride. And you use them in parades. You also use yes. them in, in Campaign. campaigns. Yes, I see your signs up. Right. And yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your business Bowls, funeral homes, and cremation? Crematory, right. Crematory. Well, as I stated, when I was 15, I joined the, the Aberdeen Rescue Squad. And then when I became 18, I had an EMT license. Well, the local funeral home that I eventually bought had an ambulance service. And so... Because I, there is a relationship, right, right. between historically... Historically, home, that's and, correct. Yeah, okay. And so they still had where we would carry Aunt Flossie from the hospital to the nursing home or from the nursing home to a doctor's appointment. And so I was able to drive an ambulance and we would transport patients from more regional back I mean, up to Duke and Chapel Hill, you know, for advanced treatments. And so I was on the rescue squad and I was volunteering, but I was able to drive an ambulance at the funeral home and get paid. Okay. I thought, well, this is not a bad gig. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. So uh, I worked with him uh, during that period of time. And then he said one day, he said, you know, I need, I need some help at the funeral home. And I told him at the time, I said, now, you know, me and the funeral home don't get along. <laughs> and so he said, I tell you what, you go home, put a suit on, and you just drive the car, and that's all I need you to do. So I went home got a suit, came back, drove a Cadillac, got a paycheck. All right. I said, life can't be that bad. No, life isn't. So then he pursued on. He said, I need you to go with me to make a removal. Someone had passed away, and we need to go to the place of death. And I said, now you're really pushing your luck. <laughs> and so he said, well, either help me or I'm going to have to find somebody else. And that was a challenge. And from then on, uh, it's, to me, it's been a ministry, mm -hmm. and uh, we are presently 
We have uh, nine locations throughout the state of North Carolina. We're in Lee County, Moore County, Robinson County, and Columbus County. Wow. And we also have a uh, the Good Shepherd Pet Funeral Home and Crematory. Wow. Wow. So how old were you when you went from working for him to buying? I was 18 when I started working for him, and at 22, I graduated uh, mortuary school after I went to our local community college at Sand Hills and got a business degree, and then went to Cincinnati and got a mortuary degree. And when I came out of mortuary, I worked with Hayworth Miller Funeral Home in Winston-Salem okay. for 18 months. And then the uh, Mr. McKeithen, uh, McKeithen Funeral Home became available when I was 23 when we came back home and purchased the funeral home. That's impressive. I've been very blessed that my community, our community, has supported me with their precious, nothing's more precious than your loved one yeah. for, of a 23-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, I I have I've been to your your place of business in Southern Pines and spent time with you. It's a beautiful facility, and your employees are so professional, and and you do such a good job. Because as you know, I'm very fascinated by this work. Mm -hmm. My grandfather was a Southern Baptist minister, so I went to a lot of funerals, and and it is it is an honor to be able to help someone go through this transition especially the family it is it is when i was starting new frame this was uh, eight years ago i was kind of going through this career crisis and i reached out to you one day uh, it was 2013 and i told you that i felt like i needed to make a change in my work and i felt like even our relationship had been strained and and you were so kind that day and you said well let's spend the afternoon together meet me in durham do you remember that day we spent the afternoon together in durham funeral funeral directors yes you spent the day with me and i I was thinking well maybe i'm just going to get out of government relations i'll make videos and at this conference I remember just people coming, funeral directors from all over the state, but they they think so much of you. It was like you were a rock star there. <laughs> That's because they're always questioning the legislation I'm proposing. <laughs> I bet they are. I'm trying to make it less restrictive so that a man or a woman and a family can continue their family business. Yeah. And keep government and restrictions on them to where they cannot keep their business. Yeah. And the funeral home industry is at a crossroads, right? It We've is. talked about this, that fewer people are, are opting for burial. There's more cremation now. It's right. a bigger percentage. So the industry really faces a lot of regulatory questions and just what the customers out there want. That's correct. How, and labor. And labor. You, are, is the employee shortage getting yes, to you? It's it's there, correct. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier in our conversation that when you served in the minority, you were told you didn't really need to come to committees because it's run by the majority party, and at the time it was Democrats. We had a guest on the podcast, Senator Mike Woodard, Democrat mm-hmm. from, Durham, from Durham, who had a funeral home 
that had some concerns about some legislation, Senator Woodard said he went and talked to you, and you said you were working on the issue, and by the way, I could use some help over in the Senate. So Mm -hmm. you involved him in what he said was a multi-month process. Correct. I bring this up because you don't operate the way it was in 2008, 2009, 2010. You seem, while very conservative, Republican, mm-hmm. in the leadership, chairing a, a major committee, you seem to just work with everyone. If they want to help, you put them to work. I always remind everybody in Raleigh, there's no way they could be a funeral director because within four, three to four days, we have a funeral. We have over a thousand issues resolved. And we have some direction of a closure to our family of celebrating them. Mm -hmm. Up here, it takes us, it's worse than a Presbyterian committee. (laughs) Because they talk about it for six months about the same issue. Yeah, and take a lot of breaks. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just talk and let's move forward. Let's sell what you've got to offer. Yeah. And that's what I've tried to bring here in in the General Assembly. And on uh, uh, Senator Woodard, it was a funeral issue, and he knew I knew something about it, and I knew he had a constituent that needed something worked on about it. So I educated him on the funeral practice, and he educated me on what the needs were from this particular office because this this particular funeral, because I was not dealing with that particular issue, but mm-hmm. I saw the need that we needed to make some reforms. Yeah. And we did it together. So we're in the budget process now. Seems like we're maybe, I should be asking you, maybe two weeks away from seeing a House budget. You, along with your co chairman, Representative Alan McNeil from Randolph County, and Carson Smith, Represent, Represent Carson from, Smith from, from Pender. Pender. Yeah, former mm-hmm. sheriff. That's correct. The three of you are in charge of writing the budget for justice and public safety. Can you explain to listeners what the purview of the JPS committee is? Probably 70 to 75% of it is human bodies. Mm -hmm. Employees. Employees that do the work, that get up every day to protect the citizens of North Carolina, from preparing meals for inmates in prison, to the prison guards, to the or correctional officers, mm-hmm. excuse me, mm-hmm. to the mental health status, to the medical status, all the way to the state trooper. There are 25,000 plus employees mm. that make up DPS, that get up every day to make sure that you are protected either through the highway patrol through uh, the sbi through the alcohol law enforcement every law enforcement agency and you have to understand we haven't had we've had a budget but we Mm. haven't had a ratified budget in four years yeah so we haven't had a real big increase in our budget since uh, four years ago we have some catching up to do. So the senior chairs, they're going to piece together your budget with the transportation, general government, Correct. education. Eventually, it'll make it to the House floor. It's going to be voted on. It's going to be approved by the House. But your budget's going to be different than the Senate's. So 
when the conference committee is formed, are you negotiating, you and your co-chairs, are you negotiating yes. the JPS section with your JPS chairs? It's Danny Britt and Warren Daniel over on the Senate. Side. That's correct. If there's some discrepancy, we will try to work out a compromise. And if we cannot work out a compromise, then it goes up to the big, the big chairs as the large appropriation board. Sounds like a lot of work for a part-time job. <laughs> Here, yes, it and, is. By the way, we're recording this on Tuesday, and the General Assembly is essentially shut down this week. There's a conference going on, but you're still here in a suit and tie working. I am, and we'll be back tomorrow yeah. working. Yeah. So, Let's talk a little bit about your sense of humor. There's a News and Observer photograph that I think made it on the front page <laughs> where a legislator was falling asleep. You remember this photo. Can I do you remember can, that. Describe this photo and your propensity to do that when, when legislators may decide they're going to take a little nap. Well, I think this was like at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 3 or 4. We were all exhausted. And this legislator, he just reared back in his chair and went to sleep. Well, I went and got a yardstick and started <laughs> measuring him. <laughs> Of course, when he woke up, he didn't think it was that funny. Right. <laughs> but but uh, the news observer was there and said, you know, he said, well, Bowles is measuring to see who's going to survive. Yeah, measuring him. And, and the implication may have been you were measuring him for the casket. Right. That's a, Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were going to see who would survive this session. Yeah. <laughs> and we were going to bury those that weren't. Yeah. So, but it gets to, you know, your sense of humor. I can go and talk to you in the middle of, you know, at three in the morning or, um, you know, stressful time for you during the budget writing process. You're always happy, it seems. Uh, is this just your disposition? Nothing gets to you or, or do you just find comedy everywhere? Uh, I, things do get to me, okay. uh, but you have to, uh, you have to put on, you just have to move on. Yeah. Uh, a death of a child. Yeah. I mean, so you just have to, you, you deal with it and then you move on. Life is fun. Mm -hmm. The Lord has a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. He really does. I mean, I'm a prime example of that. And uh, I always tell everybody the first three letters of funeral is fun. <laughs> F U N. <laughs> <laughs> and you should have fun in life. Yeah. You shouldn't mope around. I can't change yesterday. I can't change the decisions that I made. Maybe some, some of them are good and some of them aren't. Yeah. But I can't change that. So how do I make today, today, and tomorrow better? We live in a time where we seem to be so divided politically. And I'm not just saying differences. We're always going to have our differences. But it seems that now our politics are you're bad or you're good and there's no in-between. If we gave you a magic wand, Representative Bowles, and you could fix something in our politics that maybe takes us back to a time when people were more civil to each other, mm -hmm. what would you do? That's a great question because I, I tell everybody this story. Okay. If I had that magic wand, I would come right down Fedville Street and I would tap the Sir Walter uh, Raleigh mm -hmm. Hotel. Okay. I would go in, and I would gut it, and I would make 
200 rooms or small apartments in there. There are 170 legislators. I would give each legislator their own room, and I would tell them, you are to be in that room when you're in Raleigh. Six o'clock till 7.30 is breakfast. You come on down to eat. From 5.30 to 6 is social hour. It doesn't cost you a dime. And at 7 o'clock, 6.30 to 7, we're serving dinner. And you all come in, and you all eat together. You live together, and then you can walk to the, uh, to the legislative building. Our problem now is we don't meet. Yeah. We have, I'm just going to be blunt with you, we have the elderly white legislator females, they go eat. We have the elderly white Republicans go eat. We have the elderly uh, black yeah. uh, Democrats that go eat. Elderly white Democrat men go eat and women. Everybody goes their own different ways. You don't know about my grandchildren. You don't know about my children. And once we understand our common ground, that this is not for us. This is for our children and our grandchildren. I mean, I've got four grandchildren now. Greatest thing ever happened. Yeah, I bet. And I talked to Marvin Lucas, and we start talking about grandchildren. And how his granddaughter plays for NC State. I didn't know that. Well, I know. Nobody does. We need to communicate and talk with each other. It's hard to accuse someone of, of being an evil person if you're living with them and socializing with them and seeing what makes them tick, right? Here again, I'm not politically correct. That's fine. Everybody in bombs the same. That's right. <laughs> okay? It's true. We all have arteries, veins. Yeah. So we all have a heart that pumps the blood through our body. And it doesn't matter if you're white, black, Hispanic, Indian, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is if we don't talk. Well, Representative Jamie Bowles, it has been a pleasure to sit down and have this conversation with you. We appreciate everything you do for the state, everything you do for your district, everything you do for the House. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and uh, it's an honor uh, to serve more county, but especially to be part of this system in North Carolina. I, I pinch myself daily yeah. when I sit in that chair on the House floor and thinking there's nothing like it. That was just such a fun conversation. I know that Representative Bowles is one of your favorite people at the legislature, and one of your, I would say, top five stories is when you talk about going to that funeral home conference with Representative Bowles. Can you talk about that a little? I was at a crossroads with my career. I, I really, at the time, wanted to do politics better. And I felt we had had a relationship, like we said, that went back to 2008. And I reached out to him and, and just said, you know, this is what I was thinking. I had started new frame as an LLC, but I was still with a past employer. And so we spent the day together and we spent the day at this funeral directors conference, which not only did he give me a lot of guidance, very encouraging about starting new frame and all of the possibilities that that would bring, but I was also really fascinated by this conference. So we walk in 
And he says, you got to see the expo. <laughs> so walk into this expo and I see just dozens of caskets that are being sold by vendors to funeral directors. And when I say caskets, we're not just saying mahogany or pine or oak. I saw caskets that had MP3 players in them. So when you bought it, you could play music for your loved one who is gone to the hereafter. I saw formaldehyde being sold, various lines of formaldehyde, funeral director clothes, urns, and it really opened my eyes to an industry that is everyone's going to use at some point in their life or death, as the case may be. If you get any further into this funeral home discussion, I'm about to unsubscribe to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Representative Bowles is a great guy, and I really do cherish the time I spent with him that day. And I really do give him some credit for me sitting here talking to you on this podcast because he helped me realize that day that I could do politics better. So with this talk and debate around masks and mandatory vaccines, we saw a tweet of the week this week that centered around a fundraising email by the Republican Party done in the name of Senator Phil Berger. Got a lot of attention. Yeah, the tweets from Dylan Watts and his tweet had a piece of the NNO article and it said that when Berger was asked if he eats raw cookie dough, he responded with only with ice cream, noting that the CDC also recommends that you do not eat raw cookie dough. It was in his fundraising letter. They, they were making the correlation between kind of the mixed messages out there from the CDC and they are mixed around mask wearing and vaccines and the combination of the two. And they made the the line to eating raw cookie dough. I eat raw cookie dough all the time. It actually... Yeah, I will note one time you were at my house and I went upstairs to change before we were going to an event or something. And in the like two minutes, you ate eight different eight cookies <laughs> they were like pre-portioned cookies i had in my fridge and the next day i saw that someone <laughs> like came in and just ate eight cookies <laughs> yeah it's totally guilty of that i love raw cookie dough better than i like cooked cookies but according to this news and observer article which was covering the tweet and the letter from burger apparently I, I could be one of a few thousand people who die every year of eating raw cookie dough and then jamie bowles could bury you <laughs> so that's called full circle <laughs> senator burger said that they would be taking up some of those big topics from the house in the coming weeks so we could look for some of those headline topics such as critical race theory coming back up. The House doesn't appear to be releasing their budget for another two weeks from now, Mm -hmm. so we don't expect that next week, so probably continuing with the slow pace in the House. I've noticed the goal line for budget, final budget, has moved from mid-August. People were saying August 15th. Now we're talking Labor Day. Yeah. 
which means finish up the budget, adjourn. But adjournment isn't as clean as, okay, the budget's done, let's adjourn. If we're looking at a Labor Day budget, we could be well into September before they adjourn for the long session. Be adjourning to a date certain to come back for redistricting. Yeah, yeah. So redistricting is supposed to happen, I'm hearing, in October. Yeah, I think the census data doesn't come in until late September, is that right? Mm -hmm. And you need that data in order to move forward with redistricting. So we'll be here the month of October. It could really creep into November. I have a feeling that we will be spending at least part of the holidays at the General Assembly, which is not uncommon these days. We've been in session on December 27th, I believe. That's right. Fine by me. What else do I have to do? Yeah. I like it when they're here. So what'd you think of the podcast last week? We had a guest host in Majority Leader John Bell. I enjoyed listening to the podcast last week of you and Representative Bell, but I had to get back in here this week because I could not take it, the FOMO of not being on the podcast. FOMO, fear of missing out. You had it, didn't you? Yeah. But we missed you too. I'm glad you're back. So next week, hopefully my health will be 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be a little more energetic. And we will be back at the General Assembly. We're heading into the final stretch. We hope that you take the time to rate, review. And subscribe. Yeah, hit subscribe. Share the podcast. Help listeners find us. We hope you have a relaxing weekend. A great week next week. And remember to do politics better.